right. Hello, everyone. This is Sean Nugent with the House Now 3D podcast. I'm here with the amazing Stephen Mansoor, who's got a fantastic background in everything concrete to high-rise buildings to 3D printing construction. And we're going to have a fun little conversation about where 3D printing is today and where it's going in the future. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us and taking some of the time to be on the podcast. How are you today? I'm um, good. Thanks. Thanks, Sean, for, for having me on, on board this podcast. And uh, I look forward to the discussion. Thanks so much. Um, guys, please, if you have not looked up Stephen, he is a powerhouse on LinkedIn. He is all over the space and he's pushing the technology, um, permitting and the coding forward. Um, if you guys want to take a look, I'm going to have a link at the bottom. There was a great post from K. KPMG in Canada about construction 4.0. And I think a lot of our audience is trying to figure out, you know, how can we automate to, you know, reduce labor, um, increase safety and speed to build. Um, and the big point about it was can companies afford really not to take certain technologies in the building space? And uh, there's a great article we're going to have to a link, but Stephen, I know that's, um, a little bit behind. I'm sure they're going to have a new updated version, but if you want to speak more about, you know, what is construction 4.0 and what should developers, builders, um, community developers for say low-income housing um, be looking mm -hmm. into with new technologies in the coming years and decades? Yeah. So just a bit of background. I come from about almost 20 years in the construction sector, um, major projects in the Middle East, uh, primarily uh, for civil and heavy civil and oil and gas and mechanical. The When you're adapting technologies, the key point is what are my pain points and is there a technology out there that will address my pain points and my struggles? Uh, my job in that company was actually introducing innovative technologies and investigating innovative technologies that might help our day-to-day -day operations in order to make them safer, more efficient, and more productive. So, so that's that's the 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 concept that should be focused on when you talk about construction 4.0. Nobody's going to adopt a technology just for the sake of adopting it, and nobody's going to implement um, a robotic solution or or anything like that uh, just for just to get. Um, and yays and ways and uh, way things are moving forward. Um, so when we talk about construction 4.0 and, and specifically in the KPMG um, report, they address uh, some critical points and issues that are facing the construction sector. One is lead time uh, production and also the availability of the labor work workforce um, um, and also uh, just trying to meet the demand that's out there for the various projects that include in the residential sector, but also in the commercial sector. So that's where the construction sector has to actually look at, okay, how can I actually just stay on par and, and keep up with the demand that's out there, but also how do I mitigate the issues that I'm currently facing in my day-to-day -day operations with the decreasing, decreasing labor force, with the high lead times that are available, with the disruption in supply chains and so on. And that's where, for example, 3D printing as one example comes into play. So um, it is not necessarily a technology that will take away jobs or take away work from the existing labor force. It's something that will be another tool in the construction sector. So just like you use bulldozers to, to do uh, earthwork uh, this way, the same way you use excavators for um, uh, build, uh, digging trenches, 3D printing will be just another tool that will ease the operations and provide a safe environment to work in, but also help in meeting the demand that's out there. 
That's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. You hit that right on the head. And like you said, I think this is going to create more jobs, you know, in Mm -hmm. time, if you can, you know, produce more material, you can put up more housing, you can get the next labor force to get educated in this. And then, you know, want to have a career. There's so many people um, that don't know where to start with this. But like you said, as technology grows years ago, I used to do high rise buildings in New York city Thought it was archaic, 40, 50, 60 stories up. But uh, I remember when they brought in um, rebar guns and we didn't have to do it, just twisting. I My mind was blown. I said, wow. And you're just seeing the efficiencies on very small points, you know, on, on a work site. So if you can use multiple small tools for the efficiency, the speed, and number one, the safety. Mm-hmm. Um and I, and I really think we're at the um, the bottom of a wave with 3D printing. Um, you know, there's so many great teams. There's so many um, people working on the material science and the rheology. You know, I, I think that's very interesting because um, layering, you know, concrete layer by layer, um, it's not easy. Some people think it's push a button. We see on TikTok and YouTube sometimes it's not. You know, there's a lot of work with your engineer, your developers, your 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 testing. Um, controlling of, of um, you know, humidity, uh, wind, um, I think is a big thing with, with cracking. I'm taking some of my uh, ACI courses right now and just refreshing, you know, on, on the water, the aggregates, um, plasticizers. And so I, I, I'm really looking forward to see who is that, you know, first developer. And there's some there that are starting to show this can scale and um, mm-hmm. have the impact that, that we want it to. And another great thing, Stephen, I'd love to talk about is you had a great write-up. I'm going to put it in the bottom as well with Jonathan Tron about the sustainability and standards of 3D printing. Um, I speak to some people and they're sitting there going, you know, there's Portland cement and there's CO2 emissions. And I understand that, but I bring back in a single family house, normally there's about eight, 9,000 pounds of waste that gets um, left on the side. You've got to get a big diesel truck, move it to a uh, facility to dump it. And that doesn't go anywhere. You know, if you're doing a million houses a year in the United States, how can we reduce that? And, you know, with, with 3D printing, there's going to be less waste. And and I'm trying mm-hmm. to work with people on the sustainability side of it, because in the next five years, I see Portland cement going down and other materials and other replacements going up. There's some great people who are the heating process for the, um, for the kiln. They're actually using um, solar panels to take the energy. And then they're using that to blast the kiln at 6,000 degrees. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on sustainability now with 3d printing construction or concrete in general and where do you see it going in the coming decade do you do you see us going towards those you know um goals of maybe zero emissions or or um everything can be like very high-end lead certified from sourcing to end product yeah but i see it getting there not necessarily to like uh, zero emissions and and a zero carbon footprint but i mean like things are moving forward in in the right direction in that way uh, certainly um in using different materials and exploring different materials so 3d printing is is opening the way for for exploration and and use of different materials other than the portland cement um that is i guess currently being used and, and is being used in, in the wider area 
But what, what's key with this is that you have to use material that's available locally. So material that's available in one region cannot may not necessarily be available in another. So you have to sort of tweak and, and augment your material in order to actually meet the existing supply that, that you have locally available to you. Um, and that's where 3D printing actually plays a good part because you can actually take your existing material, be it earth-based, be it a geopolymer, be it a cement-based or, or other um, supplements that you might be able to use in your mix and your material design that is available locally to actually implement that. So that's where the, the benefit comes into play. You don't have to import your material. You don't have to get your material from abroad or have to like um, source local, not source existing operations in order to get your material. You can actually look at innovating your approach in order to achieve your sustainable approaches in carbon footprint, in your recycled material, uh, the, the life cycle of my material and my structure. Can I break it down and then reuse that later on? So there, this is what 3D printing is actually allowing. So it's, it's it's allowing the exploration of different materials, different applications in order to achieve that, not necessarily to, um, and in some places, Portland cement is the place, is the um, uh, sort of like the material to use, but not necessarily as a common standard across the board when it comes to 3D printing. A great, that, that's what's amazing, different machines, different teams, but sourcing locally, you know, um, a so great post about the the amount of sand, you know, that's used in a lot of these mixes and sand is becoming something that is, is becoming scarcer and scarcer because we keep using so much Portland cement or a type of mix. And it was interesting. They were they were using um, recycled glass and they were testing with that because of the uh, the carbon base of it sticks to the material. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I haven't done core samples or testing over, you know, a 10 year period, but. I really find it interesting. How could we implement some things that would normally get thrown out or we do recycle them and, you know, implement that into the building material to build back, you know, stronger and have that really, really long life cycle. So that that's, that's very interesting. Um, now this is just after July 4th, 2023 for people that maybe have seen you before watch some of the videos. Are there, uh, you give me two or three things in the last uh, couple months in 3D printing construction that you fell in love with or you said, hey, I'm going to keep an eye out on these people or this project or that could be um, publicly known or that could just be, you know, in the research phase. I know a lot of universities and um, companies are working on this uh, process. Yeah, I mean, there's certain projects that are coming up in different parts of the world. Uh, certainly in the US, you have companies that are actually doing more than just 3D printing. So they're actually taking it one step further and incorporating different disciplines in their approach and in their innovative uh, solutions. Um, a company like Diamond Age, for example, is a good company to follow. Um, Icon is doing a lot of uh, projects as well. But also you have architects and engineers that are exploring things differently. So there is, I think, a post that happened yesterday, I think, in the Czech Republic, with a certain architect where they actually did the printing of the slab walls and roof using um, 3D printing technologies. Um, and it was the sort of moving away from your non-conventional square um, box-like shape. So they had a parametric design that you can easily change parameters and have a different shape and different print uh, using that. So they they actually explored that and taking took that to the next level. Um, in, in terms of uh, showcasing what can be done. Again, there are many companies out there. I only mentioned a couple, but there are a lot of things going and it's rapidly um, picking up pace uh, in that. 
What we try to aspire in the future is to have a certain event that is specific to 3D printing and construction. Um, uh, at this point, we feel like we are the orphan children who have to find a way to, to actually speak somewhere or be, congregate and actually have a common topic. But uh, ICAM, ASTM's ICAM 2023, which is coming up in November uh, um, of this year, will be in Washington, D.C. So that's sort of like where we can actually group together and 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 actually uh, have a discussion where everybody in construction is printing can come and see what's what's what um in this sector that's great that is so great and you know washington is, is the heartbeat i know they had the innovative innovative housing um hub down there a couple weeks ago and i was speaking to some people and they were saying you know all the people who are in senate or they're in office they they've always had the problem of housing uh, especially mm -hmm. affordable housing time to build and, you know, they all need re-election, but they all want to make the change in their communities. And how can we bridge the gap in time of, you know, like you said, a showcase, but inviting a lot of these people in from your neighborhoods or areas who might have heard of this so they could say, OK, listen, I'm going to give this the green light or I'm going to have my engineers take a look at this to to move it forward because I haven't seen it yet where, you know, we have the connection between people who have the check writers and people in, say, HUD, Housing and Urban Development, to kind of come together and say, okay, I need a pilot here in, you know, Wisconsin, and we're going to do these. And, you know, you in Texas, you do your own, but we can build faster and get people in, in housing, even down in, um, God forbid, this year, but every year the storms in the Gulf, you know, mm -hmm. FEMA comes in with trailers and puts people up temp temp temporarily. And within two months, a lot of these things are blown away. You know, to be able to put up temporary structures that are safe, sound, resilient. And then, you know, it, like you said, we can knock these back down. We can we can break them down into gravel again and put them into roads. We can repurpose them. And I, I think that that's something that people need to start thinking about doing things differently because the way we're doing them doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, true. And and I have to say one thing. I mean, the, the going discussion or the going comment uh, in with everybody is that the construction sector is very conservative, doesn't want to change, wants to stick to its old ways. But, but I would like to argue that comment and, and that statement in saying that the construction sector wants to make sure that what they build is safe and yes. stand the test of time. So they're not stickle stickly because, or they're they're averse to to innovation because they don't want to be innovative. They want to be assured that what they build and what they print, for example, is actually safe and going to be deliver equal or better results than what they're doing now. And to this point, uh, to this day, uh, they are not given that reassurance as of yet. Um, and that's why standards are important. With every project that you receive in a construction site, you receive your tender documents, you, you receive your project uh, documentation, your, your your test plans, your your quality control plans, your project timelines, but also you also receive the, the codes on which you're supposed to be building by. If the codes that you're supposed to be building by do not exist, then that's where the hesitation comes into play because like, okay, I'm going to build this, I'm going to print this, but then what? Um, how can I prove that this building is going to stand uh going to be safe people can actually live in that without having to have uh, any any anybody uh, for example god forbid lose their lives or anything like that so that's the that's the sticky point so and this is why i embarked on on putting standards together early in 2020 and we we hope to launch the asdm iso standards now in september and october timeline 
And, and that will sort of bridge the gap between the traditional way of, of certifying structures, but also how we can apply that to 3D printing. So that understanding and that saying, okay, now I have a 3D printed structure, I can actually certify it using existing standards that I know and deal with on a regular basis, that will sort of eliminate the risk mitigation, uh, ensure the general contractor that now I can build and move forward safely. Um, and that's where adoption comes into play. And that's where the general ecosystem will say, okay, now I can move forward with this technology and then there'll be further advancements. There'll be uh, a rapid growth in, in the sector with healthy competition, healthy um, um, uh, way of moving forward um, in, in the sector as a whole. So, so standards is sort of like the first step and then once that's there then sort of that helps the things move forward and that's where other other people will come into the sector so there'll be more adoption hopefully by the general contractor uh, sector um, and the, the clients will now demand more of their projects but also the investors will come in and actually support that growth in in the technology and moving the sector forward the hundred percent. We've spoken to multiple people from you know family offices that you know have a background in, in social economic governance and trying to build and give back their wealth to people. And we've spoken to some of their builders, and they go, "Where's the code? What are we doing yeah. here?" Now you know I can explain it pretty simply. You know you're going layer by layer. If you have any background in CMU block, we're putting rebar in it. We're going to kind of follow AC five hundred nine, and you know the columns themselves is what gives the support as of now. A lot of the walls are not going to be giving load bearing capacity, mm -hmm. even though they're made of concrete. But it's from work from people like you and the community coming together and saying, you know, we have to get this to push forward. And that's what I love. So many other industries, they're. It's a zero-sum game. Someone has to win, someone has to lose. But with this technology and the 7 million houses that need to be built in the United States, if there was a 1,000 companies with a 1,000 machines each, we still couldn't print our way out of the housing crisis in the United States. Correct. And that's in the United States alone, not even taking into consideration what's the global growth and global population and demand. But also what I... Sometimes I, I keep on using this example. We're trying to move from a horse, horse and carriage concept to an electric car. And it's not something that can happen with, okay, here, remove the horse and carriage and here's my, my electric car and, and <laughs> wrap your head around that and try to figure that out. So what we're trying to do now with the standards is sort of like, okay, we're going to take away the horse, but leave the carriage and we're going to put the small engine on the carriage so that you can just take step by step just to, to give your time to, to actually wrap your head around the concept because many people just don't understand what 3D printing is what it can achieve and how how it, it can go um, forward. So that's that's what we're trying to do with this first standard is, and that's where the bridging the gap comes into play. How do you use existing standards to certify 3D printed structures? The next two iterations and further uh, initiatives that are moving forward are trying to move away from your traditional column beam structures, try to see how we can actually have load bearing walls without having your reinforcements um, your typical reinforcements of rebar and and uh, regular concrete, um, and also trying to see okay which other materials can I use and and uh, not just Portland cement or CMU block or anything mm -hmm. like that. So, but it, it's it's a it's a work in progress. It's going to take a little bit of time, but the big step is just trying to get everybody to understand what three D printing is and what it can do and what it's capable of doing, and and we'll just take it from there and. At some point, it's going to skyrocket the advancement, but at first we have to do this slow uh, sort of holding by the hand type approach uh, until we get to a point where everybody's on the same page 
everybody understands what the technology can deliver and not just this technology, but other technologies as well in, in construction. Um, and that's where we, we will just kick it off. That's where you hit the uh, the hockey puck moment where it's just, Absolutely. just exponential. Um, this Absolutely. is great. Um, Stephen, now, if you were speaking to a developer, someone that builds 50 houses or 100 houses and, you know, labor, supply chain, all those issues we spoke about, if they were sitting there going, okay, this sounds great, where do I start? Like, where do I start at the bottom layer to go down the rabbit hole? And, and they know codes. They know how to build. They're professionals, but they don't know how to take this in. Is there anywhere that you would say, hey, start looking into this or start watching these videos or, you know, definitely follow you on LinkedIn or, or any podcasts or anything you recommend um, for people to start looking into? Because this is happening. And I think in time, it's going to be um, you're going to want to adapt and pivot and move forward with it. You know, it could be 10 years out. But if you don't, I think you're going to be pushing a boulder up a hill uh, for quite some time building traditionally because, you know, what happens with supply chain issues? Absolutely. And and again, it, it's all going back to what are my pain points? Where am I suffering? Is there a technology out there that will um, address it? And is technology the way to actually address it? So that's that's the first question. Um, you're not going to adapt any kind of, uh, you're not going to buy a bulldozer or a crane um, or, and put it on site and, okay, now I have to figure out what I'm going to do with it. You're going to see, okay, what are my operations? Um, how am I suffering? And is there a technology out there that would help? And that's the first question. The second question is, okay, who's out there? Well, that's that's easy. You just um, reach out to me. I'll tell you who's who and, and where they are and stuff like that. So that's easy, easy enough to do. Uh, some people also are hesitant in saying, okay, well, I need to put a lot of investment into this. I need to buy a printer. Um, I need to set up a facility for that um, so that I don't have the budget or overhead for that. Um, and that's not true. Um, you can easily collaborate with a technology provider and a material supplier um, as a subcontractor or on a pilot project and yeah. have it on a project basis. So just like you, if you have a project in mind um, and you would like, for example, uh, you're building 10 houses, but maybe one of them could be a pilot project as you 3D print one, then you, on the contract for the project budget, that subcontract, that technology provider would come in as a subcontractor. The, the contract will be back to back. You do your scope. They do their scope. You're not committed to them in any way financially for, for the sake of that you have to buy the printer or anything like that. So there is a way to actually make things happen. And again, this, this adoption as a subcontractor type approach uh, and pilot project, it can be done for any other technologies. So it's not just 3D printing where the technology provider comes in um, and, and does their work and then finishes their scope of working and just like any other subcontractor would in any other project. Um, but also the technology providers have to understand um, the construction business. They have to speak the language of the general contractors. They have to speak the language of the construction sector. They have to see how their technologies fit into the different aspects within the project. And that is key. You cannot come in from an outsider technology provider and think that, okay, I know what's best right for the construction sector and I'm going to tell them what to do. Um, you, they will never understand um, what you're saying or what you try to, to sell or approach if you don't speak their language and say, okay, this is how my technology is going to help you in one in these areas, one A, B, and C. So speak their language, understand their concept, have your technology fit into that, but also from a general perspective, general contractor perspective or builder, there's not just one way to actually adopt technologies. There's pilot projects, there's subcontractor agreements, and, and there's other ways not necessarily just have to buy the printer um, and commit to that. 
That is fantastic. I should bring you out when I have uh, meetings with people and uh, over dinner. And just like, Stephen, take it away. This is your <laughs> Well, Stephen, I, I want to be very cautious of your time. I, I know um, how important that is to you, to me, to everyone watching. Um, if you want to take us out with some final notes, contact information, and everything that uh, we spoke about, I'm going to leave links to any of the papers. Um, I'm sure we're going to be speaking to each other then. We've got our own uh, project that's under wraps that we'll be speaking about personally. But um, just thank you so much because it's, it's people like you that set the standards and change the future of construction. And that that's what excites me when I get up every day to think about like we're making a change in, in housing and development that hasn't been done in a hundred and something years. And I just want to say thank you. So, Stephen, take us out. I'm going to stop this and everyone's going to have a fantastic weekend. Thanks, Sean. Um, if anybody has any questions or wants any follow-ups, you can reach me easily on LinkedIn, Stefan Mansour um, on LinkedIn. Um, I'll also give Sean my email address so you can reach me there at smansour at astm.org. Um, and yeah, if anybody wants to also be part of these committees um, for developing standards, feel free to reach out as well. So there's a lot of discussions uh, and happy to connect with anybody who feels uh, they need more information. Thank you guys so much for the house now. 3D Podcast is to Sean Nugent, and I hope you all have a fantastic week, weekend. Print it on and keep doing the good work to change the world. Thank you all.